Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. Sometimes the angels appear, but those occasions are the exceptions rather than the rule. For the most part, angels remain invisible. But as powerful and wonderful as angels are, the Bible teaches they are inferior in position and ministry to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. Both the Old and New Testaments contain fascinating accounts of humans who crossed paths with angels. So who are these mysterious, invisible beings? And why did God create them? Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress explores the nature of angels and their purpose in our world. Now here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. When we look back on 2022, historians will forever note the darkness that overshadowed our year. And yet, even today, I see God working in the darkness. The truth is that Pathway to Victory will look back on 2022 as a year in which our ministry shined as a beacon of light in the darkness. In fact, Pathway to Victory is beaming the gospel to nearly every major city in America and now around the world. And all this impact has occurred not in isolation, but in partnership with generous friends just like you. With all this momentum, we're excited about the Light in the Darkness Matching Challenge in the amount of $525,000, which ends on midnight this coming Saturday. We're in the final stretch. For just a few more days, this means that your gift will have twice the impact. And so I'm boldly asking you to help us take advantage of this extraordinary opportunity to have an even greater impact in the new year as we use more than $1 million to pierce the darkness with the light of God's Word. As an expression of my thanks for your gift toward the matching challenge, I'm going to send you the brand new 2023 Pathway to Victory Daily Devotional. This leather-bound edition is sure to become a source of light and hope in your own life in the new year ahead. I'll say more about the daily devotional later, but right now let's open our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 1. This week I'm presenting a special mini-series I titled today's message, The Truth About Angels. People today are fascinated with the study of angels. Dr. David Jeremiah, in his book on angels, warns that, quote, the syrupy, sweet, spirit-tingling taste of a little angelism can ruin people's appetite for the good, solid food of God's Word and His gospel of grace and truth. No wonder Life magazine calls this new interest in angels, quote, God light. You know, that's really nothing new. The tendency to substitute the worship of God with the worship of angels has been with us from the very beginning. In the church at Colossae, Paul wrote a letter, Colossians, and he warned those Christians about the danger of worshiping angels instead of worshiping Jesus Christ. 
You find the same thing in the book of Hebrews. Turn, if you would, in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 4. And talking about Jesus, it says, Having become as much better than the angels, he has inherited a far more excellent name than they. But before we look at that passage, I thought it would be helpful for us to begin this three-part series on the subject of angels by looking at what the Bible says about the subject of angels. In the Bible, there are over 275 direct references to the subject of the angels. As we put this teaching together, what do we find out about angels? First of all, let's talk about their creation. The angels have not always existed. There was a point in time in which they were created. Now, how many angels were created when God, the Lord Jesus Christ, called them into existence? John said, I saw 10,000s times 10,000s. That is a reference to hundreds of millions of angels. Now, here's what's interesting. The number of angels has never changed. There are always and always will be the exact same number of angels as there were that day when the Lord Jesus Christ created them. Secondly, let's look at what the Bible says about their personality. Their personality. Angels have personality. Specifically, there are three ingredients of a personality. There is, first of all, an intellect. There is emotion. And there is will, determination. Intellect, emotion, and will are what form personality. It's what distinguishes a person from an object. Now, let's look at angels. Do angels have intellect? Yes, they do. The Bible says, in some ways, the angel's intellect exceeds that of you and me. Number two, the Bible speaks of the angel's emotion. They have, a, they have emotion. In Job 38, verse 7, they clapped. They sang for joy when the earth was created. Not only that, in Isaiah 6, verse 3, when Isaiah saw the vision of heaven, he saw the angels worshiping God. In Luke 15, verse 10, Jesus said, When someone trusts in Christ as Savior, the angels rejoice in heaven. They have emotion. And number three, they have a will. That is, they determine to follow a course of action, and they do so. For example, Lucifer, that is, Satan originally chose to disobey God. A third of the angels chose to follow Satan in his rebellion. Two-thirds of the angels chose to be faithful to God. Apparently, both choices were irreversible. No angel in heaven today will ever fall, and no fallen angel will ever be redeemed. The angels have a will. Now we've talked about their reality, their creation. We've talked about their personality. Let's talk about their appearance. What about their appearance? Look at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. And speaking of the angels, he says, Are they not all ministering spirits? Angels are spirits. And that means they are invisible. Now, ladies and gentlemen, just because something is invisible doesn't mean it's not real. Some of the most real things in our world are invisible to our eyes. We don't see electricity, but we use its power every day. We don't see genes and chromosomes or germs. They are invisible to the naked eye, but would anybody here deny their reality? 
It's the same way with angels. Angels are invisible, but they are nevertheless real. And even though angels don't possess a body, the Bible teaches that they still have some of the same limitations that we have in human bodies, specifically in regard to time and space. Jot down Daniel 9, verses 21 to 23. Daniel speaks of angels moving from one place to another place quickly. Daniel 10 speaks of an angel who was delayed because of another spirit. From these references, we can deduce that angels are not like God in this sense. First of all, they're limited by time. And not only that, they are limited by space. God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. But the angels can only be one place at one time. Not only that, they are localized. When we get to Ephesians chapter 6 in our study of Ephesians, we'll find the different descriptions of the heavenly order, uh, rulers, uh, authorities, dominions. I believe those are the different ranks of angels. There are different ranks of angels and I believe different ranks of demons as well. Angels are also localized, not only by their rank, but by their particular assignment. I think there's good evidence in the Bible that there are certain angels who have as their task the protection of certain countries. For example, the Bible says that Michael, the archangel, is the defender of Israel. I believe we as a country have a, an angel that is assigned to protect our country, to make sure that God's purpose and plan are carried out. Now, there are instances in which angels do become visible. For example, they appeared to Abraham in Genesis 18. Uh, they appeared as men. Remember the writer of Hebrews said, you be careful about visitors, because in old days people entertained angels unaware. Sometimes they take on human form. We see that throughout the Bible. Other times their appearance is so startling that it causes great fear. Did you ever notice in the New Testament how many times the angels would appear and their first line was, do not be afraid, do not fear? The reason they had to say that was it was a startling thing to see an angel. We find the appearance of an angel in Revelation 10, the strong angel there who is described as being so large that he placed one foot on the continent and one foot in the sea. Now that's one big angel. Sometimes the angels appear, but those occasions are the exceptions rather than the rule. The reason I think they are noted in Scripture is because they go outside the norm. For the most part, angels remain invisible. But as powerful and wonderful as angels are, the Bible teaches they are inferior in position and ministry to Jesus Christ. Look at Hebrews chapter 1, and I want you to jot down four specific ways that Christ is superior to the angels. Now I want you to look at verse 4 of Hebrews 1. The next time a Jehovah's Witness comes knocking at your door, you can use this because it's going to come up for discussion. Look at verse 4 in describing Jesus Christ. It says, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, verse 3, and having become as much better than the angels, he has inherited a more excellent name than they. Now, if you have a King James Version, it says, having been made much better than the angels. The Jehovah's Witnesses love to use this verse 
to prove that Jesus Christ was not eternal with God. He was a created being. Why they say, here it is. He was made much better than the angels. Now what they forget to tell you is that there are two Greek words that could have been used here. The writer of Hebrews could have used the word poieo, which means to create. That God created Jesus better than the angels. And if he had used that word, it would have been a problem. But that's not the word he uses. The writer of Hebrews uses the Greek word genomai, which is better translated become. Jesus Christ in the New American Standard has it right. He has become much better than the angels. When you read the context of this, it is very clear. He is saying that Jesus Christ, now that he is back in heaven, has become better than the angels. Jesus Christ existed with God from eternity past, and while in heaven he ruled over the angels. But as we saw in our study of Christ, when Jesus came to earth, he did not give up any of his divine attributes. You can't give up what is basically yours. He didn't give up his deity, but he took on humanity. He added limitations to himself voluntarily. And while he was on earth, during that period of time, he was lower than the angels because of his humanity. But now the writer of Hebrews says, now that he is on the right hand of God the Father, he has become much better than the angels. Well, in what way is Jesus much better than the angels? Notice the four ways. First of all, Jesus Christ possesses a superior name. He possesses a superior name. Look at verse 5. For to which of the angels did God ever say, Thou art my son, today I have begotten thee? Or again, another quotation from the Old Testament. To what angel did he say, I will be a father to him and he shall be a son to me? As important as the angels were, they were never referred to as the unique begotten son of God. Now this word begotten is an interesting word. What does it mean that Jesus was begotten? This is a quotation from Psalm 2, verse 7. And some people get very confused here. They say, is this saying that Jesus Christ became the Son of God only when He came to earth? Now, this is just a little extra for you Bible students here. It doesn't cost anything extra, but you might be interested in this. You know, there's a great debate among conservative Christians about the sonship of Jesus Christ. All conservative Bible students believe that Jesus Christ existed eternally, just like God the Father. The question is, before the incarnation, when Jesus was in heaven, as the second person of the Trinity, was He the Son of God? Did He exist as the Son of God in heaven prior to His incarnation, or did He become the Son of God when He came to earth? Now, there are some who argue that in heaven before the incarnation, he was not the Son of God. It was only when he came to earth that he assumed the role as Son. And they will point to verses just like this. Today I have begotten thee. Today I will call you a Son. I don't think that's true myself. I think Jesus in heaven always existed as the eternal Son of God. That was his relationship to God the Father. 
Well, then what do we make of this fact that the Bible says he became the Son of God? I think it's a reference to when Jesus was recognized as the Son of God by other people here on earth. I think there was a point in time in which Jesus was recognized by others as the Son of God. When was it that Jesus was recognized as the Son of God? It certainly wasn't at His transfiguration. Only a few people saw it at that time. It wasn't at His baptism. Again, only a few people saw that. I think Romans 1.4 says it was at His resurrection that He was recognized, quote, as the Son of God with power. Jesus always existed as the Son of God. And because He has a name that the angels don't have, He possesses a superior name. Not only that, number two, Jesus Christ is a superior object of worship. Look at verse 6. And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, and let all the angels of God worship him. Hear me on this. Nowhere in the Bible are we ever told to worship or pray to the angels. In fact, if you'll remember two different times in the book of the Revelation, John was rebuked because he fell down and worshiped the angelic messenger. In Revelation 19, verse 10, the angel said, Do not do it. Do not worship me, for I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. By the way, do you realize that the only person in the Bible who encouraged someone else to worship the angels was Satan? When he encouraged, he tempted the Lord Jesus Christ to call on the angels for help. Matthew 4, 6. We need to be careful that we never fall into angel worship or that we ever call on angels to assist us. We are to call upon God. Number three, Christ rules over a superior kingdom. Look at verse seven. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire? Just like wind and fire are tools in God's hands to accomplish His purpose, so are the angels. They are constantly flitting about from here to here to do His will. By contrast, the Son of God rules over them from a permanent throne in heaven. And number four, Jesus Christ is superior to the angels because He will enjoy a superior victory. Look at verse 13. But to which of the angels has God ever said, sit at my right hand until I make thine enemies a footstool for their feet? No angel has ever or will ever rule over the universe. Only Jesus Christ, the Son of God, will sit at the right hand of God the Father and rule not only over his subjects, but over his enemies as well. And by the way, according to Revelation 4, verse 4, one day we will be seated around the throne. And Romans 8, 17 says we will be joint heirs, joint rulers with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ rules over a superior kingdom and He will enjoy a superior victory. Now we've talked about angels, their reality, their existence. We've talked about the characteristics of angels. Now let's look briefly at the purpose of angels. Verse 14. What is the purpose of angels? Look at verse 14. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? 
The reason God has created the angels, the reason they exist now, are to be His instrument, to carry out His purpose, and that perfect purpose specifically is to minister to you and to me. They are ministering spirits sent out for our sake. That is, those who will inherit salvation. In his book on angels, Dr. Graham recounts the true story of Dr. S.W. Mitchell, a celebrated neurologist from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Listen to the story. Dr. S.W. Mitchell, a celebrated Philadelphia neurologist, had gone to bed after an exceptionally tiring day. Suddenly, he was awakened by someone knocking at his door. Opening it, he found a little girl, poorly dressed and deeply upset. She told him that her mother was very sick and asked him if he would please come with her. It was a bitterly cold, snowy night, but though he was bone-tired, Dr. Mitchell dressed and he followed the girl. As Reader's Digest reports the story, Dr. Mitchell found the mother desperately ill with pneumonia. After arranging for medical care, he complimented the sick woman on the intelligence and the persistence of her little daughter in calling for help. The woman looked at him strangely and then said, My daughter died a month ago. She added, Her shoes and coat are in the clothes closet right here. Dr. Mitchell, amazed and perplexed, went to the closet and he opened the door. There hung the very coat worn by the little girl who had brought him to tend to her mother. It was warm and dry and could not possibly have been out in the wintry night. Could the doctor have been called in the hour of desperate need by an angel as this woman's young daughter? Was this the work of God's angels on behalf of a sick woman? We shouldn't be surprised by those kinds of stories. Isn't that exactly what the Bible says? Angels are ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation. And yet as wonderful and as miraculous as the angels are, let us never forget that we're not to worship them, we are not to call upon them, but we are to worship and call upon the name of Jesus Christ who created the angels and sends them on our behalf. Through this new study called The Truth About Angels, I hope it's becoming clear to you that every day, God's special agents are working on your behalf. Yes, you and I have things that happen in our lives that can only be explained through the presence and working of angels. And just before our time runs out today, I'm eager to remind you that I've written a brand new daily devotional for 2023 that's specifically written so that you and I can walk together every weekday in the coming new year. I want you to have a leather-bound copy while supplies last. Remember, a copy is yours right now when you give a generous gift toward the Light in the Darkness Matching Challenge. Because of this tremendous opportunity, every gift we receive is automatically doubled, having twice the impact for the coming new year. Today, your gift of $100 will become $200. A $500 gift becomes $1,000. There's no limit to what you can give between now and this coming Saturday that will be matched and doubled in its effectiveness. Whatever amount God places on your heart to give will be doubled. 
But the deadline, remember, is Saturday, New Year's Eve at midnight. You know, last year, our financial partners helped us achieve so many great things. Through your generosity, we've added 37 new radio stations to our lineup. Together, we've also seized the opportunity to reach millions of people by expanding our television outreach into Ukraine, Russia, Israel, and beyond. And we achieved all these significant milestones through our partnership with generous friends like you. So, let's continue this important mission while there's still time. Let me ask you to help us take Pathway to Victory to the next level in the coming year, for God's glory alone, and in order to pierce the darkness with the light of His Word. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. Today, when you give a generous year-end gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory, we'll say thanks by sending you the brand new Pathway to Victory daily devotional for 2023. Call 866-999-2965 or visit ptv.org. Now, when your gift is $100 or more, we'll also send you both the CD and DVD sets for our current series called Celebrate the Savior. It features inspirational Christmas messages from Dr. Robert Jeffress and music from the First Baptist Dallas Choir and Orchestra. And don't forget, our Light in the Darkness Matching Challenge is in effect until December 31st at midnight, which means you can still double the impact of your giving but time is running out. Again, our toll-free number, 866-999-2965, or visit ptv.org. Now, if you'd like to send your donation by mail, write to P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. That's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins. We've learned that angels are here to minister, And next time, we'll explore the remarkable ministry of angels to both unbelievers and believers, along with the fascinating topic of guardian angels. Do supernatural beings protect and guide your life? Join us again next time for Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas.